Hello and welcome to the Cloud Tweaks podcast, where we look at developments and stories dealing with cloud, cybersecurity, the Internet of Things, and other areas of business tech. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Based in Sweden, City Network is a global cloud provider that provides public cloud, similar to AWS and Azure, but they do this with a slightly different slant, meaning that they focus on regulatory sensitive businesses and organizations. Although their primary theater of operations is in Europe, the growing importance and power of data regulations like HIPAA and the California Consumer Privacy Act show that this approach can only grow in importance to organizations, no matter how wide or narrow their reach may be. In addition, there is a strong case for fragmenting the current focus on working with big hyperscalers, especially where it comes to country-specific data protection rules. And this concept applies to organizations all over the world and touches not only data storage, but collaboration tools and even word processing applications. Johan Christensen is CEO of City Network, and he explained to me how they do what they do. Johan, welcome to the CloudTweaks podcast. Thank you so much. It's probably best to start out with a thumbnail description of City Network and what it does for companies based in Europe. So City Network is a, a global uh, cloud provider providing public cloud similar to uh, AWS and Azure, which everybody knows. Uh, however, we do that with a slightly different slant, so to speak. We focus on regulatory sensitive businesses and organizations, meaning that uh, we have two levels of, of our cloud. One is straight up public. Uh, which allows for a few more things than, than uh, some of the tech giants allow for within Europe around GDPR and so forth. But then we also have some core compliant cloud where we take that a lot further, where we build it up based on nine ISO certifications and can pretty much drive any type of framework. So on the one side, you have the, the European laws that you got to uh, adhere to, and then you have frameworks such as, for example, if you're within banking, you have uh, Basel 2.3, right? And if you're in insurance, you have Solvency 2.3. If you're telco, you're GSMA. So a bunch of frameworks which we then can allow into compliant cloud where you get the benefit of having a shared cloud, so to speak, and full automation, but also make sure that you can actually reach all the regulatory levels that you need to reach. So why do the larger cloud players and hyperscalers not offer the same types of specialization? Or do they offer them in a limited fashion? What's the actual distinction that makes City Network a more valuable proposition? Well, so when it comes to laws and, and regulatory frameworks, it's actually difficult to have one type of model that you use to deliver your services for the, the whole world, right? Each country has a few specific laws and so forth around uh, what they do. European Union, of course, have a bunch of them, GDPR being maybe the most uh, famous uh, or infamous, however you want to see it. So, for example... Uh, when you're a giant delivering to the world, most of the time you, for example, you have lots of nationalities that uh, you employ and you build global structures where all of these uh, employees should be administrators of data and so forth, right? Whereas the customers, for example, they have laws that they have to adhere to, which requires, for example, a certain type of background check or whatever it might be for the people that have access to, let's say, classified data. Now, since that varies between different laws and so forth, it's very difficult to have one model that fits all, so to speak. So what we've done is that we've focused in on the EU. So our ideal customer is an EU organization of larger kind that, that has some form of regulatory uh, challenge. Uh, and then we know for a fact that 
there are really three different layers, right? On the one side is the normal law, so to speak, in laws similar to GDPR. On the other one, you have the frameworks, like uh, we just mentioned, based on the, let's say, industry or the vertical you're in. And then you have, of course, also in the case of, let's say, the American tech giants, you have Cloud Act, for example, that could be making the waters even more muddy in the sense of saying, okay, so a third level of insecurity, so to speak, for, for those people that you know need to guarantee that the data doesn't go off to some other government or something like that. So you really have three different types of, call it uh, laws and regulations that you have to look at. Uh, and in this case, a, a simple case is to say that in most, most cases, the large players have uh, you know, up to 100 nationalities, right? And, and, and it's difficult to take all those nationalities and adhere to specific laws. And as you can imagine, then, if you have lots of customers, right, then it would, it would become very difficult for them to provide according to those laws unless they can do that global delivery. You almost have to build a cloud for a specific region to be able to adhere to, to it all, so to speak. And that comes in various degrees. But yeah, that, that's one aspect that we've simply selected uh, European Union uh, as, as our focus market, and therefore we can truly do that really, really well. When we talk about hyperscalers, we're talking about the big three, AWS being one of them. Do you see them in general, not just in the EU market, but in general as the natural go-to solution for organizations? Do you think that, first of all, there's the same kind of opportunity or market for other more localized, more regulatory-focused cloud providers in other economic areas of the world? Is that like a better model of the next generation of cloud usage to separate them out in terms of smaller providers than to consolidate, as has been the case thus far? Well, listen, I don't want to take away from the hyperscalers, right? They provide great services and and they do that in a particular way. And and there's a reason why they're successful, right? So so ultimately, they've done a great job in so many ways in delivering that. However, I think that there's a niche play for a lot of local providers uh, when it comes to of course, lots of different unique selling points, right? But one being very, very difficult for the hyperscalers to actually provide is, of course, you doing something really well that comes down to the regulatory side, which, you know, if you take the, the Cloud Act aspect, I mean, you know, you know, the hyperscalers cannot even get away from that. Now, if you look at the, the, the big ones from China, I mean, they have similar type of laws in China. So this is not just an American aspect. It's an aspect that, that each nation has. So... You have that risk factor all the time, and I do believe that local and more regional companies can can have that as one definitely uh, unique selling point in, in driving home doing that really really well because you simply can't do the world with one model, so to speak. Right now, there's there's plenty of other unique selling points that you can have, of course, in addition to that. So so yeah, uh, I do believe that the, there's a huge market for the smaller providers, uh, and again, not taking away from the hyperscales and what they've done. Uh, but the picture is, of course, bigger than that, right? If you look at the European Union, you can say that, okay, since pretty much 2005, uh, things have been going downhill from a digital perspective. And that, not to take away from the Spotify's of the world or, or, or other big successes that Europe has had, right? But if you think, think through 2005, I think Europe dominated a lot of the platforms in general. And then, you know, you have AWS 2006, you had iPhone 2007, and, and you fast forward 13 years, pretty much from infrastructure to platforms to software as a service is heavily now dominated by the U.S. And I think that there's nothing per se bad about that. But I also believe that since digital is like our 
next uh, revolution, so to speak, right? And there's no secret in that. Everything's going digital, right? That also means that each nation really needs to start looking at, okay, what are the consequences if I only have one or two players that I can go to? What are the risks that could potentially come along with that? Uh, I think now sitting here in Corona times, which are very odd times in general, right? Uh, I think it's easy to make simple reflections upon what can happen in any type of crisis. So France and the U.S. were quick to make new laws around masks. You know, we, we need a mask. Everybody need a mask so all of a sudden, and nobody had the mask. And all of a sudden, some c- countries created new laws within minutes to make sure that they could capture any masks that were within their country's boundaries. Even though somebody else had purchased them, they simply kept them for themselves. I think it's a small expression of some of the risks that can happen. And this is on a global basis. Uh, I think that unless you're sitting on two or three hyperscales in your country, I think your country can potentially have great risk that comes along with putting everything in one basket, right? So, um, and, and again, there's no secret in that. I mean, it's never been a great thing if you only had one or two choices, right? There, there's a reason why we break up monopolies and that kind of stuff. And this goes more on a global basis. Uh, what, if, what if, let's say, the EU only has two or three providers they can go to, they're in a foreign nation, we want to make our own laws, and it collides with that nation's laws, right? Right there, you're having some major, major issues. And God forbid if you go to some form of a larger conflict, we talked about Corona now, uh, which is a small conflict in that per se. Let's say you were to, God forbid, go to war or something like that. What will happen then? In this case, we talked about masks being pulled away from people that purchased them because it was needed locally. What if computing power is the same thing, right? What if we want to do something? What kind of risk that that pose? So it's just a very, very big question. And I do believe that everybody out there country-wise that does not have that kind of access would do the right thing in, in investing in infrastructure to make sure that it is complemented, you know. You want to be able to build infrastructure based on your values, your laws, and so forth, and not necessarily be completely dictated. And again, that goes locally as well, right? If you only have one monopoly, that's not great locally either. So you'd like to make sure that you build out something that can take on those values and those laws and, and do so with multiple companies competing around it. That way you get choice, uh, you have less risk involved in it, and you're also not completely dependent on on foreign nations for something that is as important as uh, bread and water today. So I could see how this could very easily expand to non-European organizations that do business with EU members. You know, while our focus is very much towards the EU, making sure that organizations that somehow work or provide services to the European Union or or the nations within, we certainly see that it's not just EU countries or or companies, of course, that provide services there. It's also US-based from all over the world. It's It's the world's largest market. And within that, let's say you are from the US, you might be a Slack, you might be something else, and you want to provide services where you ultimately not only just provide it within the European Union, you also want to provide it with the right type of admin people and so forth that you can truly adhere to the laws. I think we're a great complement to the, the, the hyperscalers, which many times are used from a global perspective. But if you then want to offer something to make sure that you truly can provide proof to those European union organizations that you're providing your services to, I think City Network and our services around there is a great complement to make sure that you can uh, you know, get, get the best of both worlds, so to speak. 
A lot of management schools teach proven management skills like Six Sigma, continuous improvement, but there's very little discussed about crisis management to this degree of significance. This 180-degree turnaround where companies have to literally retool themselves extends itself out to a much greater degree of independence and flexibility when it comes to data management. This whole crisis and the way it has been handled would be a very good lesson for decision makers to learn. So let's assume that the coronavirus has now passed. How long do you think, how many years do you think we would have to wait for management to keep remembering this before it slips back to the kind of complacency that usually happens? Or do you think we have actually historically now turned a corner and that all of business management strategy will never forget this crisis? Well, I think maybe the two things are slightly different, right? Uh, I do believe that normally you say that within a generation, any great thing uh, is forgotten, right? Even wars and so forth, uh, because it was too far back in, in the days. I think when it comes to Corona and like those types of things, I think that there are going to be ugly reminders by by the fact that I think we're in a situation now where it might happen more frequently, right? And I think overall, you know, we now are are smarter in the sense that we have We've experienced it. We've realized how detrimental it can be. Uh, I think when Bill Gates, for example, 2015, started talking about uh, this pandemic and, and so forth, people, you, you look at it, right? But as long as you haven't experienced it, it's it's something that is kind of far-fetched and, and we don't react to it. I think it's the same thing when it comes to IT and uh, global uh, cloud providers, right? We have not seen the risks. We've seen some instances, accounts being hacked and that kind of stuff. You know, we've had in Europe a few government agencies that have done things where where laws have been broken and so forth with data, and and it's been scandal here and there, but nothing to the extent where you you like, you know, we were affected as greatly as we are today, right? We're locked up, you know, for months, you know, and I think that it's going to take either until the laws are broken in a serious way where the laws are really starting to come into play. Uh, or that some form of mishap where we start realizing the risk that we're taking by by feeding, uh, you know, everything into a couple or a few providers. And again, this is nothing against, you know, one particular provider. On the contrary, that goes, let's say, within the European Union as well. It would be equally, equally bad if we had one or two or three providers here and everything needs to go in there. The only difference would be, of course, if we had something locally, those providers most likely would be more keen to, uh, to of course, adhere to the laws that are, are local here, maybe more so than the country of origin. So I don't have a, a specific number of years, but normally it doesn't take that long for us to forget. That's all I can say. For our North American audience who may already be familiar with GDPR and CCPA, of course, can you explain what Gaia-X is? So, uh, again, coming down to the weakness in Europe and not really having competitors and, and cho- local choices uh, that at least um, delivers the same breadth of services that, let's say, Google and, and Amazon Microsoft is providing, uh, governments are slowly but surely starting to wake up saying that, okay, well, listen, we, we can see that this might be an issue, um, you know, not, not just from a risk perspective, you know, what about long-term innovation for example what if you always have to uh, sit on somebody's somebody else's infrastructure well then you're kind of limited to whatever they tell you to do right this is what you have available this is what you're going to use for your innovation uh, if you can't innovate from the ground up you know that speaks something i think for for a lot of other aspects than risk right so long-term innovation is a big driver 
So Germany was uh, uh, Mr. Altmaier uh, in Germany uh, and, and his uh, department, which is the Ministry of Energy, uh, Ministry of Finance and Energy, is leading the effort of GAIA-X, which is a framework where ultimately Germany and also France both have gone together, hope to create a pan-European framework that you know, sets the guidelines of where European companies can provide infrastructure services, right? The whole goal is, of course, again, kind of adding that uh, angle that I'm talking about here to say, okay, we also want to make sure we have choice, right? We also want to make sure we can uh, choose services that provide, uh, you know, their service with, with our values, uh, our laws in mind, and not having those risks at all time. And that GAIA-X is, is then a framework where hundreds of European companies are now working on to create something that both from a user experience, uh, regulatory, as well as technically defines how a company can provide these types of services. So based on open source, you can build up certain stacks where the goal is to have data transportability. For example, it should not matter if your data is in Spain or Germany or Sweden, for example. Certain aspects that we would like the EU to have when it comes to data uh, and, and of course, uh, in the foundation there, on the foundation there is our values as well as our laws that needs to be adhered to. So it's something that's being worked out now. And I believe that by end of this year, there'll be something tangible, so to speak. And I also know that there's a, a bunch of other countries uh, joining in and an effort to continue to build this framework. And as, as always with uh, European aspects, you know, it's, uh, the proof is, in, of course, in the pudding as in how, uh, how successful Altmaier and the companies that are working on it can make this uh, going forward. So, Johan, what would you like people to know about City Network and where can they go to find out more? So, we believe that Europe uh, needs its own cloud services and infrastructure services in general. So, City Network has put out to make sure that we have, we deliver some of the core services. So, from a public cloud perspective, it's uh, called City Cloud. We go to www.citycloud.com and Again, it's all based on open source, which allows you to have some of those things that a guy X is trying to push through, like minimum lock-in type of effects and those kind of aspects that we, we value heavily and we believe customers in general value heavily, as well as, of course, making sure that you can adhere to GDPR and some of these other laws that are critical here in the EU. We also, if you're a type of company that has a high level of regulatory challenge, whether you're a bank, a security company, insurance company, or health or government, you can go to compliant.citynetwork.eu. That's where we have all the information around our compliant cloud. Again, the way we build that out is using nine ISO certifications, and both from a physical and logical aspect, make sure that we can adhere to both laws as well as the frameworks for most of the European businesses. Third but not least, we've launched recently, talking about choice, as you know, Microsoft has had, or has, I should say, a, a great dominance in the office space called Microsoft 365 at this point. They just changed the name. So we've launched a competitor to that, again, making sure that all the laws and regulations are held within the EU. And that office suite you can um, check out at compliantoffice.eu, uh, where there's a bunch of information providing all the common services for collaboration from email to chat to Word and so forth, where we believe that that choice is very, very important going forward. Johan Christensen, it has been a great pleasure having you on the Cloudsweeks podcast today. So thank you so much for your time and your insights. 
Thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Hosting for the Cloud Tweaks podcast is provided by ISC Squared. Are you a cloud security professional looking to further your knowledge? Do you want to gain respect, credibility, and trust across all levels within your organization? ISC Squared's Certified Cloud Security Professional, CCSP certification, is an elite way to demonstrate your knowledge, advance your career, and join a community of like-minded cybersecurity leaders. Visit ISC Squared, that's I-S-C and the number two, dot org, to learn more. And as for us, you can check us out at the cloudtweaks.com website and follow us on Twitter at cloudtweaks. If your company is looking for some great exposure to thousands of decision makers in the IT, cloud, and related industries worldwide, please do get in touch. We can craft a campaign that will get you noticed through our website, social media, and newsletter channels, all of which enjoy substantial readership. The theme music for the CloudTweaks podcast was obtained through podcastthemes.com. And of course, if you like the CloudTweaks podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts. We are always interested in learning what we can do to bring high-quality news to you. Until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Thanks for listening.